1: actually Brita. It's
0: just like Rita with the B in
1: the front. I like that Brita with yeah, Rita. Rita. That's such a good way to tell people. I have to say it's buoy, like the buoy in the water, but it's just different vowels. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today on the Maximum Mom podcast. I really appreciate you spending the time with me this morning.
0: Well, thanks for having me.
1: Well, tell us first, I always want to know, tell us about the mom part of you. What makes you the mom in this? Tell us about your family.
0: So I have a pretty unusual um, family history. I mean, just about any family thing that you could imagine. I have it in my family. Adopted, raised by a single mom. I had my child, my biological child, Jonathan, at 14, as a result of a horrific crime. Um, so I've had him forever. <laughs> I was a baby raising a baby. And then uh, when I was in my uh, early 30s, I met my now ex husband, and he had two sons. So I'm stepmom to them. Uh, so all my kids are grown. I, I mean, chronologically grown, magically <laughs> grown, legally grown. <laughs> but, um, so I've got three boys, three boys. Oh,
1: me too. Three boys is a fun handful. I have three girls as well, but three boys definitely gave me a run for my money <laughs> for sure. They really, and, you know, do. for
0: all of you who say, Oh, girls are, boys are easier to raise than girls. Come call me, call me. Let's chat about that. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh. I think it really depends on the developmental stage. I have to say, like to me, boys were easier when they were itty bitty. Cause they just ran around, did crazy things. Like all you had to do was just kind of keep them alive. But then their, their games became more serious and their death defying things got really scary when they're older. And I felt like keeping them alive became much more complicated. I was like, wait a minute, you are so out of the lanes here of my little bumpers that I'm trying to keep you alive. And I just, I mean, just the other day we had two of our sons here, you know, here we are on the water and in the Puget sound, it's pretty like wavy, you know, the tide was coming in, whatever. They're like, we're going to go kayaking. Well we live on this cove part where you could like go into the cove where it's all calm or you can like go out into the sound where it's like not so calm. So what do they do? I mean, I look up 30 seconds later and I mean, they are whoa, headed to Seattle in kayaks. And I was like, Doug, did you have any kind of conversation with them about this? He's like, No, I didn't assume they would do that. I was like, Yeah, me either. Well, um, you're
0: talking to somebody who did trapeze and who's wing walked. So <laughs> very close to you, by the way, up in uh, Squim. But um, so I, I'm like, Go with the kayaks. Go, boys.
1: Yeah, they were out there. Now, how tell us about trapeze work?
0: Uh, well, I'll put a plug into Emerald City Trapeze Arts. <laughs> I was driving by one day and I, I was living in Seattle and I hate going out in the cold and the rain and I hate gyms. So I needed some exercise and I'm driving by and I'm like, I saw this sign. And I'm like, that looks kind of cool. I went in and I'm like, oh my gosh, that looks really cool. And then I saw, <laughs> I saw these people and their bodies. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And I could see what they were doing. And I was like, that's amazing. So I took one course and it was one class and it was the scariest thing I've ever done. And the only reason I did it was I was in a group. The class was me and a bunch of six year old girls. I'm not kidding. And so I'm climbing this ladder going, what are you doing? Like you have nothing to prove to anybody. You know, sweat is just pouring out of my hands. But I had to do it because I was not going to be the adult woman who climbed back down the ladder in front of these six year old girls. I I, like kill me. That's fine. But I will not show these girls it's okay to quit. So I did it. That first class, I was hooked. Absolutely hooked. Best thing you've ever done in your life.
1: That's amazing. I just love that. That is so amazing. Okay, well, tell us. I mean, I know you don't live in Seattle now. Tell us about your entrepreneurial journey. I mean, you were in Seattle, right? Practicing estate planning.
0: So it started when I was in Lewis County, which is south for people that don't know, kind of a rural area. And I was a deputy prosecuting attorney. And I had always kind of wanted to go out on my own, even from law school. That had been the plan. And I was seeing these other attorneys who had their own practice and seemed to be doing well, which, you know, as we all know, like, <laughs> anyway, and I'm like, you know, I'm more organized than that person. I'm smarter than that person. I could do this. I could do this. And so I uh, saved my money and I, this was in um, 2000. And I timed going out when the phone book came out because that's what we had, right? Like that that was it. You had the phone book and that was all the marketing you had. And I went out and I had $3,000 saved. That was for living expenses for me and Jonathan. And starting out, I borrowed a friend's computer. Wow. And I jumped and got my first client. I couldn't believe somebody paid me seven hundred dollars.
1: <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I yeah. mean, when you think back on it now, I mean, what do you think about the person who was with her three thousand dollars in hand in her barred computer, who's like, "Here I go."
0: You know, it's 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 me. It's right. the same person who walks on the wings of airplanes. And Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Gosh, I love that. I mean, you have a serious, adventuresome spirit. I mean, both entrepreneurially, but then just uh, also in other ways. I mean, tell us about your move to Texas. What what drove that?
0: Oh, well, I I write about it in my third book, Tidy Up or Simplify. But long story short, my Seattle had been changing, as you well know. Yeah. And my father was ill and he was going to have to live with me. And my father is my father living in downtown Seattle in an 1800 square foot house was not going to work. And I had long been like, I'm getting kind of tired of Seattle. I need sun. I need sun. I'm from Arizona. And I didn't want to go back to Arizona and Texas kept coming up and everybody was moving to Austin. Like Austin okay. was the great thing. And so I came out here and by the way, I had um, undiagnosed at the time, ADHD, which there's some of the impulse issues, <laughs> Um, I came out, I saw a non-working farmhouse in the country. I had visions of goats and goat soap and my dad. And so I bought it that day Wow! and I shut, I, in two months, I had shut down my practice and moved to Texas. Not what I would recommend anyone do. Right. Oh, so, long story short, this, this farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, was far worse than I anticipated. And I had renovated homes before, uh, and it took everything I had, like I lost everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm out in the middle of nowhere in Texas with a high, with at that time, a high end, um, estate planning practice. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so at that point, like I had to throw up my hands and go, okay, doing it breed away is not working. Just the shoving it through is not working. And, um, and there were a lot of snakes. Oh, and you know, I can handle. I'm from Arizona. I can handle rattlesnakes. You know, they they let you know you're oh, coming. Yeah. Copperheads don't. They don't. I was dealing with scorpions at least once a week. <laughs> I mean, it's just a nightmare. So I sold the I sold the house and uh, moved to Austin and started writing, and that just completely changed my entire life.
1: Okay. Well, tell us about your writing. I mean,
0: I'm starting to write and a friend of mine, um, Tucker, who is very outspoken. Uh, some of you may know who he is, T- Tucker Max. Um, he doesn't mix words and he went to law school and he's looking at me going, I'm, I'm talking to him about, you know, starting the estate planning practice again. And, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you talking about? What am I doing? He's like, you're bored out of your head. Why don't you do what you want to do? And I'm like, well, I really just want to write and I want to teach. I didn't even know what that meant. Like I want to teach and I want to tell people when they're full of crap. That, You know, do more internal work. And I had right. started doing a lot of internal work. Like when you lose everything financially. Oh, yeah. You tend to do some introspection and go, okay, how did I get here?
1: <laughs> right.
0: Because it's on me. Like. You know, yeah, I can talk about, you know, unethical contractors. I can talk about electrical cords, extension cords taped together behind drywall. Like that was, I mean, it was, it was bad, but ultimately this is on me and I need to change things. So I was starting to do some really deep internal work and that's what I, I wanted. And I was getting amazing results and changing so much and healing so much
1: Wow!
0: and really putting the dots together from a pretty traumatic infancy trauma as a young person and what that was doing to my life. Now. Right. i had been to counseling. I thought, you know, I had done the whole counseling thing, but until I really saw how it was affecting me every day now, then I'm like, okay, I I need to, I need to fix this. Oh yeah. And then I wanted to share that with other people. Right. And so I started writing. I loved writing Um, and then I needed to support myself and I'm seeing, I started hanging out with non-attorneys who, who were entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and I saw what they were doing and I'm like, Hey, maybe I could do that. But I was still very much an attorney and an attorney like, well, nobody would pay for that. Who would, who would ever pay me to teach them how to use flat fees? And it took these other people looking at me like, yeah, they will. Yeah, How long did it sure. take you to learn flat fees? I'm like, oh, you know, two, three years. And the mistakes were big, but it seems so simple to me now that I knew what I was doing. Well, right. Right? <laughs> I've seen these other kids in their, you know, late twenties with video courses and they're doing really well, like right. millions.
1: Well, And I'm like, well, why not? And here we are. Amazing. Yeah. That Wow. I love that. I mean, when you talk though about the trauma in your body and its impact on you, you know, now, or, you know, in your recent past, I mean, that is such an important thing, I think. And I, cause I think so many of us just don't realize how much trauma lives out in our bodies and our decisions, yeah. in our thoughts, in our reaction. I mean, just
0: Oh. Laugh. I have to laugh because I, I'll tell you, I've in the last three years, I have done such amazing internal work with uh, amazing coaches, with plant medicine, uh, with some stuff that if you would have told me I would be doing, I would have laughed in your face, like some energy work that like beyond woo-woo stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> And it has worked right. where when you get in and you can really heal that stuff and talk to yourself. Because I was one of those people that, you know, I'd gotten counseling, get over it. You can't, it's in your cells. Right. When you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, when yeah. you don't see it, it's actually going back to trauma, you're going to keep. Doing it over and over and over. Right. Repeat until repair. And you know, I I have clients as attorney and so I teach the flat fees and then I do coaching um, as well. And it is internal coaching. It's not business coaching. It is internal coaching. Like why are you self-sabotaging? This has nothing to do with money. This has nothing to do with marketing. This has nothing to do, you know, why are you self-sabotaging? let's get to the bottom and, and turn off that attorney brain a little bit. Um, and that's when you start healing and that's when you start changing from the inside out.
1: Right. I mean, are there things that you've read that you could just recommend, or we could put in our show notes that you would say would be a good place for somebody to start? Um,
0: I, I have actually on my website, uh, on the, and I don't know why she put it on this section, but on the store section, I have a recommended book list. Okay. One of just off the top of my head, Philip McKernan has a book, one last talk that is great. What's the other book called? The body remembers is on. Yeah, or the
1: body keeps the score yes, or something. Yes, yes, that's, yes. I was thinking about that when you were. It's talking. a really hard book to get through. Hmm.
0: Um. And I'm a pretty good reader, but that's a hard book to get through. But I well, so well worth it. There's. I'd have to look at the list to. Yeah,
1: we're gonna look. We'll put that list and link it in the show notes because I think a lot of times people. I mean, it's a pretty big topic. Do you know what I mean? When you're looking at lifetime trauma and what, what that's been looking like in your life. And I think a lot of us, I mean, me included for a long time, just thought I can just like <laughs> ignore that for a while. I'm sure it'll be fine. Like if I just, why, you know, that
0: working out. Well, and what's horrible is, you know, we as attorneys, we're smart and we're able to adapt and so then we're like, OK, it's really and, and we can be, quote, unquote, successful on paper. So then people are like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm successful. Yeah, I just almost got in a road rage, you know, this morning with the guy in front of me. And that happens every day. But I'm fine. Yes, I am completely obsessed with how much money I'm making. And it's never enough, regardless of how much money it is. And I always think that, you know, when I make this, I'll be happy. Or when I get this, I'll be happy. And I'm not, but I'm fine. I'm fine. And that has nothing to do with my past. And I'm just like, okay.
1: (laughs) It's so true. I mean, you just nailed it. I mean, I I see that and I've seen it in myself. I mean, so I am a hundred percent like turn the mirror on myself it is a real thing. And I mean, I know for me, it was such a thing of just being like, I couldn't deal with whatever my own issues were or whatever the trauma was. And if ever there was a sad emotion, I don't do sad really good. So I was just like, well, I'll just like flip that over and I'll just, maybe I'll start a new business over here and that'll keep me occupied for a while. Cause I don't want to do tears. And I
0: mean, I think that is why I think that is the number one reason that people overwork or, you know, serial entrepreneurs, it is to, or or renovate homes, you know, whatever it is to distract you because when you're quiet, that's when the feelings come up and we don't want the feelings. We don't know race, 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 race. So we don't have to feel the feelings. And only when you feel those feelings, it's, you know, it's like anything else. It's like a sliver, you know, it's, it's fine. Every once in a while I hit it and I'm like, Oh, but it's fine. And it's going to suck to dig that out for like three seconds. And then it starts to heal and you can move on. Right. But yeah, absolutely. All I I have, I talked to a female attorney who didn't understand why she wasn't making the money that she was making that she wanted to make. And she wanted to make a lot every year, like a lot. And the first thing I do is, okay, let's, let's talk about why, why Why you want to make, you know, millions of dollars, which sounds like a ridiculous question. Like, well, I'm supposed to want that. Everybody wants that. That's how we get happy. That's how we get you know, well, when I kept digging and kept digging and kept digging and kept digging, she felt responsible for supporting her entire family. Right. Well, what if that's not true? Hmm. You know, what if you don't have, what if you can have, what-, what if what you really want, what your soul really wants, not your brain, your soul is simple. Right. What if you only had to make, you know, I don't know, half a million a year instead of 3 million a year. Right. But if you have this, I have to do this or I have to look this way or I have to have this to be happy. You know, how's that? How's that working out? Are you happy yet?
1: It's such I mean, this is like I think one of these conversations that I mean, we need to have like every day. Because I think this is such a real thing. And I mean, I know for me, it's something I struggle with as my firm has grown and it keeps growing. And, you know, we get more clients, but then my team gets stressed. So I'm like, okay, I'll hire another attorney. And, but then I'm like, whoa, okay. I mean, because I struggle with what is all that doing to the culture? Of my office like i mean i am such a firm believer in a positive firm culture and i mean so much of what i do is i want my law firm to not suck to work in like i want people to be happy. I want them to have support, to feel supported, to support each other, you know, to get professional and personal development. I mean, I do everything I can to just pour into my team. So they pour into our clients. But when I literally look at those like growth plans, you know, and it's like, okay, Elise, let's look at, you know, your 2021 or 2022 growth plan. I'm like, how am I pouring into that many people? Like there's only so much of me to go around. (laughs)
0: Well, you know, there's nothing against growth if it's purposeful and you You understand why about it. Yeah, but to grow for the sake of growing,
1: right? I mean, and I think that that is the story of so many of us. You know, just growing for the sake of growing and not really considering. What we're growing, why we're growing, what will our growth do to our clients? What will our growth do to the area of practice we're doing? You know, how will it all come together? I mean, and and really,
0: what is your why? I mean, I I did the empire growth thing, you know, when I I'd been out for I don't know four or five years maybe at the time, and I had class A on the water office space. I had. I'll never forget when I bought my brand new solid wood ten-person conference table with leather chairs. Like, I mean, we were going to be the best firm in Olympia. We absolutely had the nicest office. I was so proud of it. And when I look back at what I was trying to do, it was trying. It was trying to heal that old wound. Yeah. I'm not going to be a poor little girl. I'm not going to be a poor white trash little girl that is a teenage mom. Look, I have this conference table. Right. Look, I'm driving a Mercedes. Look, right. I have silk drapes. I, had, I was serving clients in Olympia, Washington on Tiffany teacups.
1: Right. Okay,
0: I had more money coming in than I'd ever dreamed of. And I remember my accountant had gone through taxes for the last year. More money than I ever could you imagine? And I had to look to see if I could buy gas to get home. Like it was all going out again. Right. I wasn't keeping any of it. And there was a reason I wasn't keeping any of it.
1: Oh yeah. And There's it had nothing worthiness. to do with what
0: the numbers were. It was, I, it was all internal. It totally. wasn't safe for me to keep it. It wasn't okay for me to keep it going back to
1: trauma. I mean, it's a real, I think that is such a, a vicious cycle of worthiness and whether or not you know, we can develop generational wealth and somehow feel like that's okay. And we don't have to buy all the things that go along with it. You know, we can, I mean, there's so much in this. I mean, I'm fascinated by this. Like this is an area that I have really been kind of grappling with. I mean you know, just, I have all these kids and, you know, their dad doesn't really participate in the finances. So I've been the person. And so when I look out and now they're all getting older, I mean, I just have one left at home. He's a senior going off to college. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I've got one more college tuition, but then I start thinking, well, then I should save for grandchildren. Then I should do this. And then I am like, wait a minute, why? Like nobody did that for you, you know?
0: And is that going to hurt? And I, Help people or harm people. Exactly. I, I mean, I practiced estate planning for, for many years. And one of the things that i really worked with my clients on was, and some of these individuals were, you know, the CFO of some of the big guys
1: up there, right. like huge money. Right.
0: Let's make sure that your money is being used to help people you love, not harm them. Right. And Anyone who's represented like high wealth individuals, we've all seen those trust fund kids. Oh yeah. You want your kid to turn out to be one of those 40 year olds in, you know, a 15 year old in a 40 year old body. Like, uh, I mean, you can really do a lot of damage if it's not intentional.
1: Right. Yeah. And having those conversations, I think with your attorney is such a smart thing as an estate planning attorney. I mean, gosh, cause I can imagine the things you saw you know? And, um, yeah, no. And I always just think I'll just set aside money for the grandchildren's education. Like I'm a big education person and I'm like, you know, the more good education people can get, I'm like, you know, that offers them more choices and they can decide what they want to do. But I mean, just the reality of thinking about that, it's like, I, I don't have to do that. You know, I can, cut my, my earnings way back and, and do, you know, nothing. I mean, I could be floating around in a kayak to Seattle on the way.
0: What's interesting about that is I have uh, one client who was struggling to make money and there was no legitimate reason why. And I mean, she was really struggling to like subsistence level and she had a teenage daughter. And so I'm like, can we do some deep dives here? Okay. So which are scary. Because then you're going to have to feel crap, right? right? And she said that part of her financial issues were that she was spending so much for her daughter's extracurricular activities. Okay, well, why are we doing that? Well, education's important and she could get a partial scholarship and blah, 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 blah. blah. Okay, well, she'd actually gotten into college. Okay, so the underlying assumption is that she gets out of college and she will... What does that mean? Well, she'll have choices, and she'll be financially independent, da da. da, da. I'm like, OK, is that true? Right. Well, this, this client's backstory was that her parents had put a ton of money into her education, and here she was, a lawyer, barely paying a very basic mortgage. Wow. I'm like, you know, is that true? That assumption didn't work with you i said aren't you doing the same thing that your parents did you know mind blown of yes and i'm not saying you know don't pay for your kids extracurricular you know sure. and i'm like so what would be bad if you made 200,000 300 000, whatever what would be bad about that well nothing well then why aren't you doing it you're fully capable then why aren't you doing it don't give me economy don't give me covid don't give me any of that crap what would happen in your life Actually, if you were to make that money, what would be bad about that? Tell me about a Thanksgiving. Tell me about a Christmas. Well, my sister would like, oh, must be nice to make so much money. She already says that now. Here we go. Now I know that I'm like on to something. So now I'm like really wow. diving deep. Yeah. It, the long and the short of it was it wasn't safe for her to make money because her family was going to give her so much shit about it. Wow. Once she got that, then you can address it. But she had no clue. She had no clue that that was even under, under there. That- so, well, I mean, we have these barriers all of the time. And if we don't know they're there, you're going to self-sabotage every single time.
1: Isn't that fascinating? It is so fascinating. I find it just fascinating. I do love all really, the- Oh,
0: you know, we think that we're so logical and we're so full of crap. We're so full of crap. We think that we don't have, you know, we know we have issues, but we're smart. We're going to outsmart our issues. Right.
1: Right. Oh yeah. That is big time. What we think. (laughs) Yeah. That doesn't really work so good. (laughs) Well, tell us a little bit about your flat fee work and coaching. I mean, what, Give us the, you know, the short synopsis of what does flat fees look like? How, I mean, how did they revolutionize your estate planning practice? I mean, I know you're just. I was
0: actually doing family law when I started flat fees. Um, Mm, I knew. I I knew that hourly was not good for me. And I tracked my time. Sure. Like religiously. And I would send out great statements because that's what you were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. every month it was, okay, this person generally pays 400. That person generally pays, you know, okay. So what, what can I, what bills can I pay? Right. What can I count on? Right. And it was, I knew that I did better with simple. This was before I was diagnosed with ADHD, but I knew like I did, this was Mm -hmm. too much. And when I was a prosecuting attorney, I knew that all the criminal defense attorneys use flat fees. And I'm like, there's got to be, you know, this isn't brain surgery. There's got to be a way that I can translate the criminal into using my family law. And then somehow I came across Mark Chin's ebook on flat fees, read that and was done. I mean, like the next day I did my research. The next person that came in, I threw out a number and it was $10,000, which I'd ne- I mean, that number had never come out of my mouth. Right. And she wrote a check. And I was done. Never looked back. Would never consider ever again. So that's how I started. So my work now is I coach attorneys on the, the mechanics of flat fees, how to set the fee, how to do it ethically, what to do when, you know, all of the concerns that attorneys have, which are overblown. <laughs> completely overblown, by the way. Um, but really most of the work is deconstructing our attorney brain right. so that we think like normal people
1: mm-hmm.
0: and get through the fear, Right. get through the fear of flat fees. Um, you know, this is how we buy everything every single day. Right. And only attorneys can overcomplicate the most simple of transactions. So it's. it's-
1: yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, and we definitely overblow it. I know I do. I'm we're still an hourly family law firm. I mean, I have been terrified to do the switch. It's the actual mechanics of the switch. I think that freaks me out. No, it's but, not. No, we don't think you think it's the whole thing.
0: You're overcomplicating this. Hmm. It's so simple. It's almost scary in that. If you kind of admitted how, to yourself how simple it was, then you're like, well, crap, I should have been doing this, you know, 10 years ago. Right. right. So we make it more than it is.
1: Well, so somebody like me, who's, you know, running an office with, I don't even know how many cases we have, 350, 400 ongoing cases. Like, w- do you recommend we just start with the new and we keep everyone else on the, the old plan? It depends. Okay.
0: I'm an attorney. What did you think I was going to say? Yeah, exactly. So definitely any new. And I know that some attorneys are tempted to like, well, just start out with the simple ones, simple ones. And <laughs> you know, jump in the pool or don't like, come on, you know, get out on that airplane wing Come on. <laughs> wimp. You're making it harder than it is. So absolutely any new ones start. And then go through and see where you are in the case. You know, if you're a month from wrapping it up, just, you know, no, of course not just finish it out. But if you are like, okay, we're, we just got through like temporary orders or something and we're going to set mediation, you know, for two, three months. I mean, normal numbers, not COVID numbers, you know, then go to your client, yeah. When clients, I mean, clients understand flat fees. And once they understand, them, they love them. Unless the client thinks that they're going, some clients do, they think that they can somehow artificially reduce the workload. So hourly would be better, which that doesn't work. But they understand flat fees.
1: Right. They love them. So then give mm-hmm. them. A- i sure. certainty. I think so many clients love the certainty. I mean, I know, like you mentioned, sending out invoices. I mean, there's certain people I send invoice to, and I literally am like, Ugh, I don't even want to hit send, you know, like we've been doing all this work. I mean, it's a big old invoice. And, and I know that I'm going to get, you know, questions or I'm going to get whatever, but, and I think to myself, if they just knew up front what all this was, it would be such a different game. they
0: Oh, you, if they knew, here's, here's what I'll say on that. Number one, how would you want to buy it? So if I'm selling you this calculator and I say, "At least you can buy this for $5 or you can buy it anywhere from $1 to $10. And we're not, you're not going to know, we're just going to throw numbers in a hat and pick them out. First of all, you'd look at me like I was crazy, right? And how do you want to buy the calculator? every single time. Even if it, even if it turns out that it's more expensive, exactly. Even if it turns out you could have gotten it for a dollar every single time. And when this really brought it home for me was when my father died and I had to hire an estate planning attorney in Montana. She was hourly. She was a reasonable fee. Keep in mind. I knew what she should be doing. I knew how long it should take. I knew how to read her bill, which our clients don't have, right? They have no idea. And her bill was completely reasonable. Every single month that I got it, it, my anxiety jacked to probably a nine. It was only for a couple minutes, but I didn't need that. No. I didn't need that. And her whole bill was like less than $3,000. I absolutely would have rather paid five, almost double what her bill was. Just here's my check, go do your work and be done. Right. Wow. The Guild is an insanely productive community of lawyer entrepreneurs with a growth mindset who share their collective genius and hold each other accountable to take their careers and businesses to the next level. But in 2021, we are upping the game. In addition to exclusive access to the group, FaceTime with the two of us, discounted pricing for live events, and front seat exposure to live recording and podcasts and video, we are mapping out for members the exact growth playbook with our new program, Maximum Lawyer and Minimum Time. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships and experience content specifically designed to complement your plan for growth. For limited time only, the Maximum Lawyer and Minimum
1: Time program will be offered for free to all new Guild members. Join us by going to maxlawguild.com. Now, tell us a little bit about your work with attorneys on this flat fee thing. Is it through a course? Do you, I mean, what do you do? What do you offer? It's a coaching
0: program with video lessons. So when people sign up, they get the entire video lessons with fee agreements and examples and everything that they'd ever want to know. And then there's ongoing coaching with me in a group setting every week where, and we have private Facebook group and.
1: Right. And are you finding that many people that you're working with are doing the transition from hourly to flat fee?
0: Everybody that I work with.
1: Wow.
0: And they're getting, and here's the thing. It sounds like magic. It's not. But I have yet to see any kind of program out there that gives you the any anywhere near the quick and immediate. And oh, my God, results. Right. That switching to flat fees does because you can literally you could use it on the next initial that walks in the door. Right, exactly. Okay. So it's not like, oh, you know, learn a marketing program or whatever that, you know, is going to take six months, a year, or, you know, any of that. This can be used your next initial. Right. And, and the results are truly amazing because when you look at what we're doing now, you know, the Clio study had that most hourly attorneys
1: are getting paid two hours a day. Two Around whopping two. Okay.
0: And you're paying for the privilege of doing that work. Right. Okay. And when you look at what we're losing and what we're not getting paid for, when people come talk to me about the course, we go through some numbers. And I cannot tell you how many attorneys are not getting paid more than they're actually making. Right. And so when you get rid of that, A, you're going to bump up immediately then when you start charging for the actual value that you're providing when you get rid of oh this just took me you know 0.5 yeah it took you 0. 0.5 cuz you've been doing it 20 years
1: right okay exactly
0: took, yeah. and you're getting paid somebody comes in and they need this tomorrow because you know they sat on it you're paying extra for that or you know a high ticket dissolution comes in. You're getting paid for that. Where right now, if you're at, you know, whatever an hour, Joe Schmo is paying the same as Jeff Bezos. Exactly. Is your liability the same? No. Is the value the same? No. You should be paid. So one of my first um, attorney clients had been using flat fees for over a decade and she had 35 years of practice. And I'm like, why? Why? Why are you coming to me? <laughs> Her the next week, she had an initial that normally she would have charged forty nine hundred dollars for that work. Guess how much she charged? How much? Throw out a number. Throw out a number how? that is outrageous. Five thousand dollars. Twenty. Wow. We went from forty nine hundred to twenty thousand, because that was the value to the client. Right. Now that's not representative. That's not going to happen every time, of course, but that is the power of flat fees. It's, it's a game changer. And I would also point out that you're doing a better job. A you don't have all these gnats flying around your head of billing nonsense. You are more focused and with flat fees, you know, you can have five clients and make, you know, I don't know what, th- whatever. You, you can have five clients a month and make $50,000 or you can have 20 clients and make $50,000, right? Because you're undercharging. What kind of job are you doing with the five versus the 20? Right.
1: I mean, do you recommend things like where, I know some people do flat fees in stages, like in family law, they'll do like, you know, up through discovery and then maybe a mediation and trial fee. Or do you, you know, want people to suck it all up initially? No, it, it,
0: again, it depends. This but. is a real stylistic choice. Mm-hmm. I personally liked simple, simple, simple. So I never did an a la carte, you know, discovery, this that none of that nonsense. I like when I was doing family law, it was, and this was years ago in Seattle, so It was through the first day of mediation or seven months or settlement, whichever occurred first in time. Mm -hmm. That was it. That was your one price. If there was zero discovery, if there was a lot of discovery, if if we were going for motions, it didn't matter. There's your your price. And I know some attorneys freak out like, well, what if the case blows up and people think it's unpredictable? No, it's not. Yeah. No, it's not. You know, there's a finite number of things that are going to happen. And in the few cases that do blow up, I mean, I could I could throw out a name right now and you'd be like, oh, yeah, Um, like one case, uh, you know, we we never had depositions. Never, never. And there's one case where uh, the opposing side hired a new attorney. And he was a flamethrower. Oh, yeah we had, I think he set nine depositions. I think we had seven, like he deposed the preschool teachers.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, I got subpoenaed recently in a case as a guardian ad litem to, to a deposition. And it was kind of funny timing because my ex-husband, I mean, sad, but he had a heart attack that day. So I could not go to the deposition. I needed to bring my son to the hospital to see his dad. I call this attorney and I'm like, you know, I'm on the way to the hospital. He's like, well, no, you're not like you have a deposition. I'm not, I'm like, excuse me. And he was like, how do I know that you're telling the truth? I was like, uh, you don't like, I mean, but obviously I am, I'm an officer of the court and I'm not giving you any kind of shit about this. Unbelievable. The name of my company, the
0: happier attorney, because no one who is happy in any way, shape or form behaves like that. Period. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Period.
0: Yeah. So in the case that does blow up, the thing is, you don't care, right? You don't care. You are working so few hours, the, what you want to be working, you're making what you're capable of making. You don't have all this stress. You don't have all this nonsense. So if, you know, once every couple of years, you do more work on a case than you anticipated,
1: who cares? Well, right. It's going to even out. I mean, you're going to have other cases where you're doing exactly. less work that, you know what I mean? Like, it's exactly. Just, it seems like if you're, if you're really drilled into your skews or what it costs you to run a case, and then you add on your actual value, I mean, it's all going to work out.
0: Absolutely. 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 So that's um,
1: interesting.
0: I, I can't make anybody jump though, but the, the water's pretty cool. And, and, yeah. you know, and, and when people want to, I don't argue with people if people want to use you know, hourly fees. If you're happy with that, if you can honestly say you are happy trading your time for dollars. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you, but for those who aren't, there's an alternative over here. Why don't you come over here and see what we're
1: doing? Well and truly, as somebody who doesn't do much billable work now, but spends all my time managing the P and L and looking at this, and then crunching other people's numbers, I can assure you, there's nothing happy about watching the trade of time for dollars, and then having those conversations. I mean, do you know how much energy is spent around productivity conversation in the hourly billable Are you model? Wasted how much time is wasted? Is that what you meant to say? That's what I meant to say. I mean, the emotional energy that is put in is profound. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's, and, you know, I, I had one, um, you know, people are worried about judges. I had one hearing uh, where I was asking for fees and this was in Port Angeles. So, you know, you can, I mean, you know, you can imagine, you know, I'm getting hometowned and, you know, all the way. And (laughs) I, of course, had to disclose what my attorney's fees were. And I think they were like 14000 And <laughs> there was an audible gasp in the courtroom when I said 14000 Okay. And I'm like, shit. Okay. And, you know, the judge looks up and I'm like, okay. And I calmly told him, hey, you know, this is the ABA model. This is, um, you know, this is how we're doing. And judge That fee covers everything through settlement, through the first day of mediation, or for seven months. So what that means, Judge, is that my client didn't pay a dime for the three letters I had to send to opposing counsel asking for the mandatory discovery. My client didn't have to pay a dime for me to be here today and for me to sit and wait for opposing counsel for an hour when she was late. My client's not paying for any of that. And I can assure you, if I was billing by the hour, we would already be at $14,000 based on what I've done. Totally. And we still have four months to go and she's not going to pay for a dime more. You know, once I explained it, I got my money. Right. It's just a matter of communication. So all what I would say is all of the things that every attorney is scared of, it's nonsense. It really is.
1: Okay, you've now inspired me. I'm in a really, because of course I already bought your course, like, I mean, a long time ago, but now I'm one of those ones that's like, yeah, if I look at it and then I decide we have to do it, I'm like, oh my gosh, the amount of work that'll go into that. But I I would tell you that you are completely full of crap. That's just fear. That is just all of
0: BS (laughs) that we tell ourselves, you know, it's the same reason that I, I used to run. I used to run marathons.
1: Well, you run now. I saw, I just started started again. Okay. I
0: just started again. I love that. You know, all of the time that I wasn't running when I really, I mean, I I practice what I preach. I had to really sit down and go, okay, what is going on? Why are you, why is there so much resistance here? Right. So much resistance. And I would come up with this and that, but really what, and and I can tell when it's really resistant because it's like a five-year-old saying it. <laughs> it was, it's going to be too hard. It's going to be too hard to start again. It's going to be miserable. And yeah, you know, when you start running again, that first month is pretty miserable. But I'm like, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. You're making it harder than it needs to be so you don't have to do it. And once I was like, you're right, I am making it harder than it needs to be so I don't have to do it, then I started again. I love that. I
1: thought
0: so Are you making this harder than it is? So you don't have to do it.
1: I'm afraid. So both flat fees and running, you and I could chat.
0: <laughs> because I'll tell you, if you and I went through your numbers, which you, I remember you bought the course before I was actually doing any sales. If you and I went through the numbers, you'd have a heart attack. And here's the other thing with flat fees about charging numbers. And this is a perfect example perfect example. So the course is a hell of a lot more than what you paid for. I remember because you were one of my first ones. Okay. Hell of a lot more. And it's going up. Well, sure. And when there is, people have to have skin in the game. And when you pay a lot of money for something, you are far more likely to actually do it. Yep. So let me ask you, the price that you paid was very low and you didn't do anything with it. Right. Right. If you would have paid 10,000 for it, let's say 20,000 for it. Would you have been more inclined to actually do something with it?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So
0: when we are undercharging our clients, say when you're getting to flat fees, because I get this all the time, when we are undercharging our clients, you're actually doing them a disservice. I did you a disservice, Elise. So I am sorry because no worries. <laughs> people have to pay attention. You need your clients to pay attention, right? They're not going to do that when they're not being charged enough. They're not. If I've just paid, if I've just paid somebody $20,000, or if I've just paid my attorney $50,000, I'm going to pay attention to what they say. And when they say, by golly, you do not call his new girlfriend. Right. By golly, you do not go to you know the school to pick them up when it's not your day. I don't care if it's lunch or not.
1: You're going to be more inclined to listen, right? Absolutely. Oh yeah. Well, and what I was thinking, you know how, and I know you know, there's times in family law cases like you might have a motion and it doesn't go your way, and a lot of times I think in an hourly relationship, your client feels like, oh, maybe this attorney did something wrong, so I'm going to go to a different attorney, and literally then that other attorney's got to learn everything, you know, from the get-go, it's kind of cost ineffective, but also it is not a reasonable approach to learn how to resolve conflict. I mean, I really look at my family law clients as here are these great little people like made of clay and I can help them learn to resolve conflict better because that is what they're gonna be doing for the rest of their life with their co-parent. But if they then get their pants all in a wad and wanna leave because they didn't get everything they asked for in emotion, they're missing out on that. Whereas if they had paid more for that service upfront, I think we would have more radically candid conversations because they would be more invested in the process. And Absolutely. in the relationship. And I think we would see less of that, which I think would be a real benefit to people, because I think a lot of people hop attorneys. And obviously we all have that. We have a clients who leave us and then a client who come to us from other attorneys. And I always am super discouraged by that. When somebody comes to me from another attorney, I'm like, what did you do to work out this relationship? You know, like what steps did you take to To fix it. And so many people tell me none. And I'm just like, well, what is that? Like, okay.
0: I, I think that depends on, you know, what you think your job is as an attorney. You know, is it to, you know, just sell documents or is it to actually counsel your clients? And so when I did a parenting plan, they were specifically crafted to reduce the opportunities for conflict. They were specifically designed to not have superfluous language in there that people would throw in that means nothing that wasn't enforceable that was no get rid of that crap right and I would fight over it like we're not putting that in we're not and I would really work with my clients because I wasn't going to be there I wasn't going to be there every Friday night right? right which as you know unfortunately at least a lot of family law attorneys that I practice with don't do that Right. Well, was that valuable to my client? Absolutely. Oh yeah. You know, one or two little provisions that, you know, had exchanges where they didn't have to see each other. How many phone calls did that save? How much relationship between them did that save?
1: Exactly. I mean,
0: relationship with their kid, heck, you know, you do it right. And you
1: just saved yourself a modification action. Well, and you've saved your kids' mental health because your parents are not in conflict all the darn time. That too, if that's
0: valuable to you. That's I mean,
1: I I'm always like, do we care at all about your kids' mental health? Is that even on the radar? No,
0: no, no, no. Don't be ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. So this has you, been you amazing.
1: Know, what's that little
0: provision? Like when right. I was doing estate planning, I would ha- always have a lifestyle provision in my trust that the trustee could pull funds if there was a reasonable belief that the person was on drugs or other addictive behavior. You know, once, I think it was two or three sentences, what value did that give to my clients? Oh, huge. Well, I I know it saved one person's life. Now, you know, should I get paid extra for that? Yeah. And not, you know, the point two, it took to put it in there. It just saved your clients, their kids life. Exactly. So that's the beauty of flat fees.
1: Girl, I can't wait now to watch your course. I think I'm going to put it on my calendar for Saturday. (laughs) I think you're going to be my weekend. My weekend. You know, when
0: you start doing the numbers, just remember it's, you're going to get a gut, gut punch. Wow. When you, you know, see what could be going on versus what has gone on. Right. So be prepared for that. It's ugly. It's, you know, getting on the scale. (laughs) you know, when you're like, Oh, I I think I've weighed, you know, I think I've gained like four pounds in COVID. And then you get on the scale, you're like
1: 32 pounds of COVID weight. What? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for your time. I have loved this. I feel like I could talk to you for hours though. I'm going to pay you though, for your time. When after I do my course, then I'm going to have to come to you for some coaching. Cause well, I think and, we have you know, things- the other
0: attorneys in, in your practice, you know, they, you, you, this is one thing that, you know, it, attorneys, we, we try and be so cheap, like, you know, you can't, it's hard to learn this through Osmos Osmos. Yep. But once people get it and watch here's just a little, Washington is so easy because there's specific language that you don't have to have. That makes it flat fees so much easier in Washington. That doesn't help everybody else listening. Who's not in Washington, but right.
1: Well, good to know. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of your Monday and it was lovely talking to you this morning. You as
0: well. Thank you.
1: Bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom Podcast, a production
0: of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.